Gabby's keto never goes outside. <laughs> you want to tell me what's going on? Yeah, I don't know. It's just some days I have really bad OCD. And okay. I just, I was just cleaning and straightening up back of the end before, and I was apologizing to him and saying, I'm sorry that I'm so mean because sometimes I have OCD and sometimes I just get really frustrated. I'm not like mean towards him. I just like, I guess. Disclaimer. In this story, we will be discussing the murder of an adult woman. This chapter may be triggering for some listeners. This will be the only warning, so please do not listen if you are sensitive to this topic. I'll start by saying I've been shying away from covering this story. (laughs) And I feel like you kind of understand why, too. I totally do. I I did not. I wanted to, but I did not want to. All at the same time. Because there's a lot to it and also minimal information all at the same time. There's conflicting information as well as confusion as well. But without further ado, let's dive into the mysterious death of Gabby Petito. So... The reason why I decided to bite the bullet and cover this one is the new information surfacing about the burn after reading letter written allegedly by Brian Laundrie's mother. Now, I say allegedly just because, you know, nobody's charged, you know, Brian and Gabby are both deceased and the mom's not charged with anything yet. I mean, she's being sued. They're being sued. Right. And we'll get into that. But... By Gabby's family, correct? Exactly. And, I mean, Brian Laundrie's mother wrote it, but the debate is on when she wrote it. When she wrote it. But before we get into that, we will start at the beginning. For any listeners who may not have heard about this case or perhaps are just not fully familiar with the details of the case. So grab your Tide Pods because we're going to go through some dirty laundry. (laughs) See what I did there? I did. I saw it. Yeah, it's not very good, but. (laughs) So, Gabrielle, or Gabby Petito, was born March 19th, 1999. She was raised in Blue Point, New York. She had six younger siblings and half-siblings. In 2013, Gabby and her stepbrothers appeared in a music video to raise awareness about American gun violence in response to the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting. In 2017, she graduated from Bayport Blue Point High School in Bayport, New York, where she met Brian. From September 2017 to January 2019, she lived in Carolina Beach, North Carolina, working as a hostess and in the kitchen of a restaurant in nearby Wilmington. She applied to Cape Fear Community College but did not attend. Gabby began dating Brian in March 2019 and moved in with him and his parents in Northport, Florida. The couple worked at a Publix in Northport where she was a pharmacy technician and he was in the grocery department. They quit their jobs at the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. In late 2019 and early 2020, the couple embarked on a cross-country drive from New York to California. Along the way, they visited Las Vegas, Yosemite National Park, 
Pismo Beach, and other points of interest. In March 2020, Gabby celebrated her 21st birthday in Nokomis, Florida. She and Brian visited Soap Creek, Georgia in June 2020, and the two were engaged the following month. In December 2020, Gabby purchased a 2012 Ford Transit Connect van and converted it into a camper in which the couple would take their next cross-country trip in. So to save money for the trip, she began working 50-hour weeks at Taco Bell and as a nutritionist, while Brian took a job at an organic juice bar. Gabby documented her life and travels on social media sites such as YouTube and Instagram, where she described her interests as art, yoga, and veggies. On June 17th, 2021, Gabby and Brian visited her native Blue Point for her brother's graduation ceremony. On July 2nd, 2021, they left Blue Point in the Ford Transit Connect van for their trip. Later that month, they visited Monument Rocks, Great Sand Dunes National Park and Preserve, Zion National Park, Bryce Canyon National Park, Mystic Hot Springs, and Canyonlands National Park. So they've they've been everywhere, really. Wow. I mean, yeah. They were traveling souls. Um, and it, just backing up a little bit, I just like to say she was working fifty hours a week at Taco Bell. But was and, also a nutritionist. Mm-hmm. That's funny. I wonder what she thought of the food that she was serving. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, word, 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 word. They they seen it in such a nice way. Mm -hmm. Like, I respect, like, what their plan would have been. Sure, they're saving money to do, like, yeah. Do a trip and then, oh, find a random job. Yep. Shovel all that money in and go again. Yeah. No, it's good. It just... uh, it just stuck in my mind, like Taco Bell. Taco Bell and a and, nutritionist. Like that poor girl. And then Brian's at the juice bar, but yeah. she has to work at Taco Bell. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah. So things start to go downhill. On August 12th, 2021, um, a witness called 911 to report that a couple were fighting in front of the Moonflower Community Cooperative in Moab, Utah. The caller said they saw a man slap a woman after which the man and woman ran up and down the sidewalk. Then the man hit the woman again before they drove off together. Another witness described the incident to police as looking like Gabby and Brian were talking aggressively and that Gabby was punching him in the arm. The witness said it looked like Brian was trying to leave Gabby behind and take her phone with him. Before they drove off together, she climbed into the driver's seat, moved over into the passenger seat so he could drive, and asked him, why do you have to be so mean? Officers from the Moab City Police Department, MCPD, identified the van driving erratically near the entrance to Arcs National Park and conducted a traffic stop. They found Gabby crying heavily in the passenger seat. Police body cameras captured the entire thing and it was released to public. I'm going to play a clip of some of what was said. Let's listen. What's you guys' names? Gabby. Gabby, Brian. Okay. What's going on? How come you're crying? I'm sorry, we've just been fighting this morning. Some personal issues. It was a long day. We, we were camping yesterday and camping got out supplies and stuff. I'm sorry, I'm sorry I hit the, the, the bump there. I was distracting him from driving, I'm sorry. Can I get you to step out of the vehicle for me, man? Yeah. Just hang tight right there. 
Um, do you mind if I take your keys and just put them on your hood? You got it, buddy. I'm so Thank sorry. You. Oh, no, you're fine. No, no, I don't know. We just been fighting all morning, and, and he wouldn't let me in the car before. And Why I, wouldn't he let you in the car? Because you because of your OCD? He told me I needed to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm perfectly calm. I'm calm all the time. And he really stresses me out. And I just... So, tell me what's going on. The shoes gets worked up sometimes, and I try and really distance myself from her, so like I, I lock the car and I walk away from her. What, what happened this morning is that she's trying to start up like her own little website blog and everything, so I give her time. And I, we really had a nice morning, if any, and if anything, but um, she just got worked up because we were trying to get going and get our day going because we want to go um, like guard just for the summer time. Okay. You, you want to tell me about those scratches on your face? She had a cell phone in her hand, that's why I was pushing her away, because I... She, she wanted to, I locked the keys so I could walk away. I, I said, let's just take a breather and let's not, you know, go anywhere. Let's just calm down for a minute because she's getting worked up. And then she had her phone was trying to get the keys to her. So I got away. I was just trying to, I know I shouldn't push her, but I was just trying to push her away to go, let's, let's just take a minute, step back and breathe. And she, she got me with her phone. Can I see your hand? Oh, you got a mark right here. Oh, that's from a wire. That's from a wire? Yeah. You want to tell me about hitting that curb? Hitting the curb was her grabbing the wheel. She grabbed the wheel? Yeah. She said, I can't believe we're getting pulled over, and then she grabbed the wheel. I mean, it looks sad. It, it does. I feel I feel terrible for her. I'm... Mm. There's... Uh, there's always two sides to every situation, so we're only seeing what we're seeing. We don't know what led up to that person. And I'm going to shoot straight when that first came out, and we still didn't know what happened to Gabby, and we didn't know what happened to Brian. I was fully a, like the devil's advocate in that I was wondering if she was the manic one and people to this day are like no like sh that's what an abused person looks like like that is for sure how it was but I do think that they I think that they both were having those issues those she but seems like a very um she seemed very troubled and I was just gonna say that that's also what's like a mentally struggling um which i can totally relate to girl in her 20s yeah looks like like totally. you know what i mean like i agree so as you guys heard you know like she says yeah i don't know if some days i have really bad ocd and i was just cleaning and straightening up back in the i was apologizing to him and saying i'm sorry that i'm so mean because sometimes i have ocd and sometimes i can get really frustrated not like mean towards him i'm just like i just my vibe is i'm in a bad mood so she's just trying to explain what she was going through as all of that was happening but you know she does admit to you know hitting him or causing some jerking of the wheel he says she grabbed the wheel and she's like there's actually two versions of it at first she says that she grabs it and then she corrects herself and goes like no i just kind of like hit his arm or i moved his arm which again to me is enough proof that like she was somewhat of an aggressor yeah. not saying that he's not also an aggressor for sure i'm just saying that she also was and she must not have been that afraid if she was hitting him back mm -hmm. while he was driving and i feel like how i view it there's a lot of people who can relate to those situations mm -hmm. where tempers are high and you know people are always 
taught men shouldn't hit women, but nobody should hit anybody. So, mm-hmm. so some, like, I mean, maybe she was more of like a hitting, like punching, like yeah. in the arm and stuff. But it does seem like he um, was mentally abusive, which would prove in that you know, like he wasn't letting her in the car. Yeah. But again, the other side of that is maybe he was saying, "You need to calm down. You're hitting me." Who knows? I don't know. Um. So she first downplayed the physical altercation. Um, and after the officer pointed out like the marks on her arm and face and told her to just be honest, she said that Brian kept telling her to shut up and grabbed her face, which had caused an injury. And also on Brian, you can see his injuries mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as well. Though nothing, nothing like crazy. It's not like one of them had like a black eye. It was like scratches and stuff like that. Brian told the officer, uh, I said, let's just take a breather and let's not go anywhere and just calm down for a minute. She was getting worked up and then she had her phone and was trying to get the keys for me. I was just trying to, I know I shouldn't push her, but I was trying to push her away to go. Let's take a minute and step back and breathe and see. But I mean, again, to be fair, that is Gabby's vehicle and he was denying her her keys and to get in the vehicle maybe because she was having an episode but you still really don't have the right to do that and again when mm-hmm. when emotions are high like that we're not we're not thinking clearly she wants her van yeah. and yeah yeah i get it so gabby told the officer that she hit brian first and asked the officers to not separate them in his report one of the officers wrote at no point in my investigation did gabrielle stop crying breathing heavily or compose the sentence without needing to wipe away tears wipe her nose or rub her knees with her hands the male tried to create distance by telling gabby to take a walk to calm down she did not want to be separated from the male and began slapping him he grabbed her face and pushed her back as she pressed upon him and the van neither Gabby nor Brian wanted to press charges as a result of the incident, which was characterized by police as a mental breakdown rather than domestic violence, which would have required an arrest. The police separated the couple, arranging for Brian to spend a night at the Bowen Motel um, and for Gabby to stay in the van. The MCPD later investigated whether or not its officers handled the case in accordance with the department's policies, and its chief of police took a leave of absence during the investigation. Yeah, because I think, I mean, you said it earlier, or they said it earlier, that domestic um, incidents require an arrest. Yeah, and because they were begging for neither one of them to be arrested, and they were kind of giving them all the right answers. Mm -hmm. They were able to kind of classify it as mental breakdown, but I think they were also having a really hard time determining, factually determining who the aggressor was mm-hmm. and who would be the one to have charges. They probably Typically would have it's both. the guy, but then they look at yeah. they look at the guy and he's also got marks on him. Yeah, I mean, and the only the only admittance of violence, like beyond you know, that reasonable amount was on her end because he was saying he was just trying to push her away from him, which would be self-defense. But she's admitting to, like, what she was doing. So, honestly, she probably would have been arrested. But, I mean, maybe that would have made her safer. I don't know. So, on August 17th, Brian took a flight from Salt Lake City to Tampa, Florida, leaving Gabby behind. 
Gabby spent several days at a Fairfield Inn and Suites hotel near Salt Lake City International Airport, and according to staff, she checked out on August 24th. Brian returned on August 23rd to rejoin Gabby and continue the trip. Gabby's mother said that she last spoke to her daughter on August 25th and had been told that the couple were traveling from Utah to Grand Teton and Yellowstone National Parks. On August 25th, the final post was made on Gabby's Instagram account, which consisted of photos of herself taken in front of a butterfly mural outside of a restaurant in Ogden, Utah. Eyewitness accounts of the couple thereafter were as follows. A witness said that on August 27th, between 1 p.m. and 2 p.m., she saw Brian and Gabby together at the Mary Piglet's Tex-Mex restaurant in Jackson Hole. Um, That's in Wyoming. Mm -hmm. Per the witness, Brian was aggressive and had an argument, apparently regarding money, with the manager, waitress, and hostess. The witness said she later saw Gabby return to the restaurant crying and apologizing for Brian's behavior. Restaurant staff confirmed via Instagram that the couple were indeed there. Another witness contacted the FBI to report the activities and coordinates of a slow-moving white van and a generic young white man acting weird near the Spread Creek dispersed camping area on August 26th, 27th, and possibly the 28th. She posted a video on TikTok detailing her observations. According to the witness, an FBI agent said that her account tipped the FBI off to the correct location of Gabby's remains. A woman said in a TikTok video that on August 29th, she and her boyfriend gave Brian a lift from an area near Coulter Bay Village after seeing him hitchhiking alone. And I remember these TikToks. Yeah. She reported that Brian freaked out upon learning that they were going to Jackson Hole instead of Jackson, Wyoming, disembarking the vehicle at 6.09 p.m. near the Jackson Lake Dam, less than 30 minutes and 16 kilometers after being picked up. The witness found it weird that Brian offered $200 for the ride and did not appear to be very dirty, despite claiming that he had been camping for days. Another witness stated that she picked up Brian from the Jackson Lake Dam area at 6.20 or 6.30 p.m. on August 29th, dropping him off at the entrance of the Spread Creek Dispersed Camping Area. Brian offered gas money for the 20-minute ride, but did not want to be taken further than the entrance of the campground, which was several miles from the van. According to the witness, Brian acted, quote, antsy about getting out of the vehicle as it got closer to the campsite. On August 27th, a text from Gabby's phone was sent to her mother, which read, Can you help Stan? I just keep getting his voicemails and missed calls. The message raised concerns for Gabby's mother, who said that Stan was Gabby's grandfather and that she never referred to him by his first name. The last message sent on August 30th simply said, no service in Yosemite. Her mother expressed uncertainty about who sent these messages. In fact, she fully suspected that Brian sent them. Yeah, I mean, that would be very suspicious. Like if you you notice for sure. Yeah, like if you sent me a text message asking something about your grandpa and you yeah, called like him by his first like, name, I'd be like, no. Even if I said like, hey, do you know if grandpa has blah blah blah? I, like I would say like, do you know if the G's have like? You would know how I, I know your vernacular. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just you just know. 
On September 1st, Brian returned alone to his parents' Northport home in the Ford Transit Connect. On September 6th and 7th, he and his parents went camping at Fort de Soto Park in Pinellas County. On September 11th, after not hearing from Gabby since late August, Gabby's mother filed a missing person report. Four days later, Brian was named a person of interest. His parents hired a lawyer and, based on his advice, remained silent and refused to talk to anyone about the case. Police surveilled the laundry home and saw him leaving on September 13th. Two days later, they saw his car return. Police believed the person who exited the car and entered the home was Brian. The following day, Northport Police Chief Todd Garrison told reporters, All I'm going to say is we know where Brian Laundrie is. On September 17th, Brian was reported missing by his parents, who claimed not to have seen him since September 13th. It was at this time that police realized that they had mistaken Brian's mother for Brian himself on September 15th, somehow. After obtaining search warrants, police seized the Ford Transit Connect, an external hard drive, and the Laundry family's Ford Mustang from the Northport residence. On September 19th, human remains matching the description of Gabby were found at the Spread Creek Dispersed Camping Area in Wyoming, not far from where the Ford Transit Connect was previously observed. So if you remember those TikToks, remember, like you had to slow it down and it was like, that looks like the van. And, you know, she was found not that far from it. And I would like to say before she was found, do you remember, like... The craziness that was happening looking yeah. for Gabby. Yeah. Dog the bounty hunter yeah. was knocking at the laundry's home. Yeah. Trying to get them to open the door. Just like yeah. it's crazy stuff. Yeah. And crazy. I mean, thankfully for the amount of social media attention it got that because because FBI the, needed to take it seriously and get and the, the the van was spotted by another I can't even remember what they call themselves, van life or something like that. Yeah. They, but it, another one of those families yeah. that just travel mm-hmm. in their van and their dash cam picked it up or something. Totally. Yeah. And I remember like how big of a deal uh, the girl on TikTok was making, like uh, giving Brian a ride. Because, like, some people are like, oh, she's lying, it's fake. And, like, but seeing, like, her make multiple videos being like, you guys think I am, but I'm not. Like, I'm telling you, this dude is obviously the reason why Gabby is missing because he's hitchhiking. Like, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. Especially to look back at. Yeah. At the time, you wouldn't have a clue, right? It's looking back. But she was like, he was weird, man. Mm. (laughs) Um. So, her identity was confirmed, and an autopsy determined that the manner of death was homicide by blunt force injuries to the head and neck with manual strangulation, which occurred three to four weeks before the body was found. Okay? On So, the first... I, And, I mean, it's been so long now, I don't remember, but mm-hmm. part of the first press relief, release for her cause of death they used the word throttling and people had to like figure out what exactly does that mean why would a medical examiner include that in their findings that word throttling because it's the actual the act of 
two hands around the neck, thumbs pressing on the middle of the front of the throat where your thyroid wound, thyroid wound, that's what it is. Um, yeah. And that was crushed, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's blunt force injuries to the head and neck. But I will say that uh, when that came out, we were thinking, like, well, what if she, like, tripped, hit her head on a rock, and then, or he got mad, pushed her, and she hit her head on a rock, and then he felt like he had to, like, finish um, killing her because, you know, he didn't want to get in trouble. Those were all ideas that were, like, coming to our heads. Mm-hmm. Um, but... When I read what he left for his story, we can kind of dissect that a little bit more. On September 23rd, the United States District Court for the District of Wyoming issued an arrest warrant for Brian due to his unauthorized use of Gabby's debit card to obtain $1,000 or more between August 30th and September 1st. The FBI took material to match Brian's DNA from his home. On October 5th, in an interview with ABC News, Brian's sister encouraged him to surrender to authorities. Two days later, Brian's father joined investigators in searching for him at the Carlton Reserve in Sarasota County, Florida. They focused on areas he used to frequent in the reserve and the adjacent Mayakachi Creek Environment Park. On October 20th, Brian's skeletal remains and some of his belongings were found in that creek and in an area that had recently been underwater due to flooding. Uh, His cause of death could not be determined by an autopsy and his remains were given to a forensic anthropologist for further examination. On November 23rd, it was announced that the anthropologist had concluded that Brian died of self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. So, Mm -hmm. he ended his life. On January 21st, 2022, the FBI revealed that Brian's notebook, which was found near his remains, contained an entry in which he admitted to killing Gabby and deceiving people that she was still alive via text messages, which... You know what? So not okay. Like, this plays into, like, for sure, he was, like, a scared dude. But, like, it's, like, to go that far and to just keep digging yourself that deep, it's, like, ugh, stop, dude. Uh Just stop. He, he was officially blamed for Gabby's death by authorities. The FBI Denver division closed out the investigation and stated the investigation did not identify any other individuals other than Brian Laundrie directly involved in the tragic death of Gabby Petito. The FBI's primary focus throughout the investigation was to bring justice to Gabby and her family. In June 2022, the Laundrie family's lawyer released the full notebook entry in which Brian claims that he killed Gabby after she had fallen and injured herself. Experts, however, contend that Brian's account does not match investigators' findings. Michael Alcazar from the John Jay College of Criminal Justice believed Brian was someone who doesn't want to own up to what he did and was trying to find justification for the actions he did. Which, I mean, I would totally believe that as well. Like, like, especially your brain probably trying to find a way to live with yourself, even for those couple of days that he did make it. He could very well have just been trying to find 
justification and not wanting people to think that he was a horrible person, even in death. And even if like that was, I don't know if that was part of his letter, but it's possible that he would lie to um, lessen his culpability, like lessen to himself, like how his family might mm-hmm. see him or yeah. even Gabby's family or, you know. Totally. Like just trying to leave an behind accident a better. Or whatever. Yeah. He very well could have still fucking just raged out and murdered her in totally. cold blood. Cold blood, heated blood, crime of passion, yeah. frustration building, snapped maybe. Who knows? Yeah. But regardless, I'll read the entire entry now and you can decide for yourselves what you think happened. We'd also love to hear your theories if you have any. Um, which at the end of this episode, we will have our Facebook and everything like that. So, quote, Gabby, I wish I was right at your side. I wish I could be talking to you right now. I'd be going through every memory we made, getting even more excited for the future. But we lost our future. I can't live without you. I've lost every day we could have spent together, every holiday. I'll never get to play with illegible again. Never go hiking with TJ. I loved you more than anything. I can't bear to look at our photos to recall great times because it is why I cannot go on. When I close my eyes, I will think of laughing on the roof of the van, falling asleep to the sight of illegible at the Crystal Geyser. I will always love you. If you are reading Gab's journal, looking at photos from our life together, flipping through old cards, you wouldn't want to live a day without her. Knowing that every day you'll wake up without her, you wouldn't want to wake up. I'm sorry to everyone this will affect. Gabby was the love of my life, but I know adored by many. I'm so very sorry to her family because I love them. I'd consider her younger siblings my best of friends. I am sorry to my family. This is a shock to them as well. A terrible grief. They loved as much, if not more than me. A new daughter to my mother, an aunt to my nephews. Please do not make this harder for them. This occurred as an unexpected tragedy. Rushing back to our car, trying to cross the streams of illegible. Before it got too dark to see, too cold. I hear a splash and a scream. I could barely see. I couldn't find her for a moment. Shouted her name. I found her breathing heavily, gasping. She was freezing cold. The blazing hot national parks in Utah. There was some illegible parts in there. The temperature had dropped to freezing and she was soaking wet. I carried her as far as I could from the stream toward the car, stumbling, exhausted, in shock when my illegible and knew I couldn't safely carry her. Maybe knees buckled or something like that. I started a fire and spooned her as close to the heat. She was so thin, had already been freezing too long. I couldn't at the time realize that I should have started a fire first. But I wanted her out of the cold back to the car. From where I started the fire, I had no idea how far the car might be. Only knew it was across the, uh, only knew it was across the creek. When I pulled Gabby out of the water, she couldn't tell me what hurt. She had a small bump on her forehead that eventually got larger. Her feet hurt, her wrists hurt, but she was freezing, shaking violently. While carrying her, she continually made sounds of pain. Laying next to her, she said little, lapsing between violent shakes, gasping in pain, begging for an end to her pain. 
She would fall asleep and I would shake her awake, fearing she shouldn't close her eyes if she had a concussion. She would wake in pain, start her whole painful cycle again. Uh, illegible. Furious that I was the one waking her. She wouldn't let me try to cross the creek. Thought like me that the fire would go out in her sleep and she'd freeze. I don't know the extent of Gabby's injuries, only that she was in extreme pain. I ended her life. I thought it was merciful that it was what she wanted, but I see now all the mistakes I made. I panicked. I was in shock. But from the moment I decided, took away her pain. I knew I couldn't go on without her. I rushed home to spend any time I had left with my family. I wanted to drive north and let James or TJ kill me, but I wouldn't want them to spend time in jail over my mistake, even though I'm sure they would have liked to. I am ending my life not because of fear of punishment, but rather because I can't stand to live another day without her. I've lost our whole future together, every moment we could have shared. I'm sorry for everyone's loss. Please do not make life harder for my family. They lost a son and a daughter. The most wonderful girl in the world. Gabby, I'm sorry. I have killed myself by this creek in hopes that animals may tear me apart. That it may make some of her family happy. Please pick up all of my things. Gabby hated people who litter. So that was that. The beginning of that really made me we should go back and count how many times he said i i i i i i I." that is narcissism potentially even psychopathy like to me that story is ridiculous ridiculous i agree um i think that writing i is like a word that you use because like that's your story and that's what you're seeing and what you're doing but i will say that it is very just to me unlikely that all of these things happen and even if they did happen that way you don't have the right to not know what somebody's injuries are and then like put them out of their misery that your last case scenario of what you do is you no matter if she is saying don't go or whatever the fuck you go and you get an ambulance you go and get help you don't you don't make the call to she's not a fucking horse with a broken leg like you don't and put her down just that like what wh- how far were they hiking from like he knew he knew the van wasn't far enough to justify killing the poor girl no, because no matter how extensive her injuries were, like, no. there would have been a possibility. And if her injuries were that bad, she might have died on her own or passed out from the shock. Like, it just, it's bullshit. It's hogwash. Mm-hmm. I'm actually looking forward to the new information and how you spin this to actually maybe not look like he's a complete fucking... No, and I'm not spinning it in any which way. Oh. Gabby's parents announced plans to sue Brian's parents in June 2022, with a Florida judge allowing the suit to proceed. In November 2022, her parents filed a $50 million lawsuit against the Moab Police Department as well. So this all brings us to the newest headlines relating to this case. In the undated, handwritten letter, Roberta Laundry offers to help her son, quote, 
dispose of a body by showing up with a shovel and garbage bags. Now, that makes it sound like a little crazier than maybe what it is, but let me get into it. Lawyers for Gabby's family and the laundries argued over the admissibility of the letter and its relevance to the emotional distress lawsuit filed against the laundries. I guess Roberta is claiming she wrote that letter before Gabby was even missing and that it had nothing to do with her. Patrick Riley, attorney for Gabby's parents, uh, Joseph Petito and Nicole Schmidt, said, of course, Roberta would say that it was written before Brian went on a or went on the trip and was not related to the passing of Gabby Petito, but certainly a reasonable inference from the letter is that it could have been written at either time before or after Gabby's passing. That's an issue that the jury will have to decide. So now I'm going to read the letter again. It starts with saying burn after reading, which is sus. Like, why would you make that if it's not after uh, Gabby's disappearance? And, like, there's, like, a crow on it. It's, like, a very interesting, like, like flip paper thing with, like, a crow. It's, it's fucking weird. So, burn after reading. Quote, I just want you to remember I will always love you and I know you will always love me. You are my boy. Nothing can make me stop loving you. Nothing will or could ever divide us. No matter what we do or where we go or what we say, we always... We will always love each other. If you're in jail, I will bake a cake with a file in it. <laughs> if you need to dispose of a body, I will bring... And she she scratches out bring here. So it says, I will bring scratch. Show up with a shovel and garbage bags. So weird. If you fly to the moon, I will be watching the skies for your re-entry. If you say you hate my guts, I'll get new guts. <laughs> Remember that love is a verb, not a noun. It's not a thing. It's not words. It is actions. Watch people's actions to know if they love you, not their words. Therefore, I am certain that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor the ruling spirits, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers from blah, 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 some, you know, uh, Christian shit or Catholic shit. No disrespect, but some <laughs> biblical thing. Um to end that off, um, it, it's freaking weird. <laughs> it's freaking weird, right? It's weird. Oh, I mean, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little macabre for a mom to write these exact words to her son. However, no way, the, no way. Do, do you yeah, have an opinion? Unfortunately, that? she's throwing out scenarios like if you're in jail. I'll Bake a cake with a file in it. If you need to dispose of a body, I'll show up with a shovel and a garbage bag. I'll get new guts. I'll get new guts. Like, it's macabre. It's a little... Disgusting. But the point behind the letter, like, I'll... You're my child. I'll love you no matter what you do. I'm always going to be here for you. Hell nah. My letter to my child, if you hate my guts, go fuck yourself. Like, I'm going to get new guts. Who says that? I'll rip my guts out and I'll put new ones in. I love you. My boy. Like, that's that. No, 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 no. She's making it weird. They're probably all psychopaths and they just breed psychopaths. Because all I'm seeing is she's saying, yo, if you kill somebody, I'll help you get rid of the body. And when you go to jail, I'm going to send you a file to get you out of jail. One other mother, anybody who listens to this, somebody send me a burn after reading 
letter, love letter to your child that even resembles (laughs) the burn after reading part. But I mean, honestly, if you needed to um, dispose of a body, hit me up. I'm there for you, Brent. Like, for real. (laughs) I'm just saying um, this could be a very twisted family where the mother has a problem um, verbalizing her maternal and this is how she's chewed. But the burn after reading... (laughs) I'm with you. I'm on board. Here's Go. what I think. I think they, he came home. They went camping, blah, 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 blah. I think that they got him ready. And during the time that she knew that shit was going to go down, I think she wrote the letter for him to read once he was by himself camping. And she said, burn after reading because he'd have a campfire and he would burn after reading. I think he sent it with him or like tucked away in something because it was obviously on him because they found it right and hoping that they he would find it yeah gotcha and honestly i hope that he never did find it because that would be traumatizing on in itself if i read that well like feeling bad because i'm a murderer i'd probably also kill myself my god i'd be like jesus my mom's crazy bro (sighs) so yeah I find it extremely hard, if not impossible, to believe that this is a coincidence. Um, You know, like at the beginning, I was like, okay, maybe Brian isn't guilty. We don't know anything yet. But then it kept coming out that was really just like kind of how it looked. You know what I mean? Uh, So I think that my opinion is going to be based on the rest of this case and say that the letter was written after Gabby's disappearance. Um, But of course, that's not confirmed. And the laundry state that that this theory is just not correct. Um, and I will say that when I was going through the story, you know, I start with like what my original opinion was when I was going through like the motions of information coming out, but this is what happens right now. The entire case is wrapped together with a bow and it's pretty, it's pretty obvious, right? That whatever the case, he took a life that he did not have the right to do so. And at some point in some way he is cowardly in ending his life and not facing the repercussions of what happened not allowing police to question him about things maybe that didn't make sense with his side like all of those things is not fair he's uh he's taking that dirty laundry to the grave yeah totally taking it to his grave and like so many others, like once you, you know, unless you leave a detailed suicide note, I suppose, with ways to, you know, corroborate or confirm the claims in said suicide note, there's no way anybody's really going to know, which is so unfortunate for the yeah. Petitos. Well, you know, I really don't want to keep replaying like the dirty laundry joke, but. They got dirty laundry. Like, it's not just stopping at Brian and, like, not knowing what the frick is going on. And obviously, there's, like, some hidden, like, shit going on with him, too. But then, the mom, too. Yeah. Dirty, dirty, dirty. Well, even when he was missing, too. They were fucking weird. They were weird, yeah. <laughs> they were weird. They were weird. Um, But we wouldn't have known that if the media wasn't just as fucking weird camping out <laughs> watching their Dog every the bounty move, hunter you know, like, up to the door. I mean, this whole case has been 
weird is the only <laughs> proper way to... I remember watching that video and being like, why the hell is Dog the Bounty Hunter right. and his parents? Why is he even involved at this point? <laughs> like, it's just a bizarre, bizarre family, bizarre case, and rip Gabby Petito. Social media abducted this case. Yes. And, like, it made it something that no case should ever be. Mm-hmm. They made it, like, um, they made it, God, I don't want to say it, but, like, content. A lot of people made videos and stuff just for content. Yeah. And they portrayed it like Gabby was making content, so we're we're going to make content kind of thing. But, like, really, you go on her YouTube, maybe she had more before, but she only has one video on her YouTube. Like... And oh, it, yeah, it's a beautiful video. Yeah, but she definitely had more. Like, Did she? I mean, they were doing their day to day life thing. I don't know if it was all on Instagram. Long. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, yeah, it's just really weird and sad. And like, Dog the Bounty Hunter, or like everybody who was kind of like trying to get their piece of the cookie. You know what That's I mean? Right. Yeah. It's just it's a little disgusting, but uh, totally. But this is the world we live in. It is. It's the new world. It uh-huh. is. Yeah, so if you guys have any other uh, theories or what you guys think or any other information, feel free to reach out to us. Um, But that's it for this episode. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends. If you don't mind giving us a five-star rating, it'll help our show grow, Uh, especially after the evacuation and having to take this early break. And we could really use the boost. Um, check out our TikTok where you can find interesting photos and content on some of the released episodes. And you can find us on Facebook and YouTube at True Crime Story Podcast, where the discussion can continue. If you wish to contact us, you may do so via email at truecrimestorypod at gmail.com. I'm Bree. And I'm Char. And we'll see you on the next chapter. Bye. Bye.